You're listening to City Church. Welcome to a really special, special day here at uh, City Church. Are you guys ready to go serve this city? Some of you are like, what? What did I get into? What happened here? Well, listen, if you didn't sign up, that's okay, all right? You, um... You can still be a part of today, all right? We have a t-shirt for you, and I'll explain how you can be a part. You can uh, jump right in and uh, and get involved and go and serve the city. So I'm going to talk for about, uh, I don't know, probably, probably 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And then we're going to dismiss, and everybody's going to go out, and uh, we're going to take the afternoon to serve. Now, these projects are going to end at different times, and so um, so just, just buckle up and have fun. Let's pray. And I want to share just a few minutes from God's Word with you today. Sound good? Yeah. All right, good. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to come together today as a church and love on our city. God, thank you for the opportunity to stretch beyond maybe what's normal for us or what's routine for us and really dive in to love our neighbor as ourselves in the way that you have called us to. God, I pray that you stretch us. I pray that today would not just be one day where we do a few kind things, but it would be a way of establishing a way of life in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, I've shared this story before uh, here at City Church. I felt compelled to share it again. So if you've heard it, it's a good story, and you'll enjoy it a second time. So uh, years ago, years and years ago, I was on a ministry trip traveling in Europe, and I was in Amsterdam, had an opportunity to preach there, do some ministry there. At the end of the time that I had preached there, a girl walked up to me, a young girl. I was probably 23 at the time. Um, this young girl was probably about 19 or 20. And uh, she walked up to me. She said, you know, some of the things you said were really interesting. And I started talking to her about Jesus. And realized right away that this young lady had never heard about Jesus. And so she was from Slovenia. Her name was Anna. And as I began to share with Anna more and more about Christ, I realized that she was hungry for God, but really had no grid at all for what it meant to follow Jesus. And so as the conversation went on, Lindsay, is Lindsay here today? Okay. Uh, Lindsay is, uh, is one of the members of our church as well. Uh, Lindsay Maddie at the time, she was not yet married, was with us on this ministry trip. And so she joined the conversation. The three of us began to uh, talk about um, what we were doing, who we were, who Jesus was, all these different things. And as the conversation went on and on, Anna asked us, well, where are you going to be going tomorrow? And we said, well, actually, for t- tomorrow we leave at 9 a.m., get on a train for Germany. And she says, oh, really? That's interesting. And then Lindsay, who was on our, sta- on our team, on our ministry team, says, yeah, why don't you come with us to Germany? <laughs> now, Lindsay didn't have to organize the travel. She didn't have to organize the seating. She didn't have to organize the meals. She didn't have to organize the planning. She just thought it would be a good idea to add this other Slovenian girl. And so I'm panicking inwardly. I'm thinking to myself, we can't, you know, and I, I found myself in that moment looking at her and going, yeah, yeah, why don't you come with us? Sounds great. Awesome. Great. And so um, the next morning, uh, she said, Anna says, I don't know. Let me think about it. If I want to come at night, you know, I'll be there at the train station at nine. So the next morning we get there at nine. That night we spent time just praying for Anna that Jesus would touch her life and that God would open up her eyes to the truth of God's love for her. And so uh, time goes by. The next morning we get to the train station at nine o'clock. And to be honest, I was relieved that Anna was not there. She was not there. And I was like, all right, well, we did the good, you know, we did the kind of the kind Jesus thing, and she didn't show up, and it's sort of better for everybody. So, you know, and, and, and so I'm, I'm just getting on the train, and as we're getting on this train, this Slovenian girl comes running on up, and she says, I'm here, wait, wait for me. And she gets on the train, she's like, sorry, I'm late. 
And we're like, oh, no, it's good. It's great. Come on. And so, and so she jumps on the train. And for the next four days, this girl who we had never met joins our team of about 15 or 16 missionaries, joins our team on everything. So she shows up at our host home. We have no offer to stay. We have to figure that out. Then she shows up at these pastor's meetings. We're doing all these, like, you know, official Christian things. You know what I mean? We're, like, walking and prayer walking. And Anna's like, hi, I heard about Jesus three days ago. I guess we're going to prayer walk. And so she's, she's walking around with us. And, and, uh, and over the course of these three days, little by little by little, we had opportunity to share Jesus with her. Um, I think by day four, uh, one of the ladies on our uh, on our ministry team starts saying, Anna, you need to turn your life over to Christ. Christ is the one who created you. He's the one who made you. His purpose for you is the greatest purpose in the world. And, and began to explain the fact that Christ died on the cross for her sins, that Jesus had taken her place, that he had given her a relationship with God through the cross. And so uh, little by little, Anna began to open up to this idea. And uh, as she was talking with one of the other teammates, some of us began to pray in the downstairs of this house. And as we're praying and praying and praying, we're crying out to God. We had a new guy on our team. He had never been with us. His name's Mike, still a good friend. Um, was with us, and he was sort of newer to Christ and newer to faith, and so we're praying that God would open up Anna's eyes and that she would give her life to Christ, and as we're downstairs praying, upstairs Anna is giving her life to Jesus. And so the, uh, some of the ministry team comes running down, and they say, you guys are never going to believe this, Anna just turned her life over to Christ, and she's weeping, she's confessing sin, she's giving her life to Christ, she's experiencing grace, and, uh, and we watched an absolute amazing encounter with God occur between this girl and her God. And it was amazing to watch and amazing to see. Now, it was 21 days long. We did some huge events, some big concerts. We did a whole bunch of stuff as a ministry team. But then at the end of it all, we gathered together, and that little core group of 15 that went on the road talked through, hey, what was the most significant thing in your experience over the last 21 days as we traveled? And literally every single person around the circle said, you know, I think investing in Anna and having her come with us was the most significant thing we did. And something inside of me shifted. Something inside of me shifted in that experience. And the priorities of ministry changed for me. You know what the number one killer, killer, that's not a word, killer of compassion is? Number one killer of compassion. My view is that the number one killer of compassion is busyness. As somebody's phone goes off. That was amazing. Busyness <laughs> is busyness. Busyness is the number one. We're too busy to be compassionate. We are too consumed with all of the specifics of our life to be compassionate for the life of someone else. And so I've got to go somewhere. I've got to be somewhere. I've got to do something. I've got all these other things to do. Does anyone else in the room drive a minivan other than me? Because this has to do with compassion. Come on, have compassion on me. Nope. Holy moly. Okay, two of us, and I'm not sure about those two. Okay, so pretty much it's me. Just so you know, I have a minivan. It's really my wife's. I don't really drive it. But occasionally I do drive it, and... uh, and, and, you know, that thing is like a global command center. Like, you could, you, could, you could lose a kid in that thing. I mean, it's just amazing. It's huge. And the other day, it was so funky because we have three boys, and, you know, minivans get funky. I mean, there's, like, things growing. There's, like, photosynthesis happening in the minivan, you know? And uh, it's, it's funky in there. And so I decided I'm going to take, you know, 12 to 16 hours to clean this thing. And, uh, and so I get over to my father-in-law's house, and I start cleaning this minivan. And I'm finding amazing things. I mean, we found probably, like, an entire pirate ship worth of Legos. You know, I mean, we found an entire box full of, uh, of you know, uh, pretzels. I mean, it was amazing the stuff that was tucked in between the seats and all in the corners and everything else. And I cleaned this thing out, and now I've got these big bags full of stuff that some of them were throwing out, some of them were keeping. And I was just 
blown away at how much stuff can get hidden in the little folds of the seats and the cushions and the and the you know floor and all through the minivan. It's amazing how these little things just get stuck in there. And as I was cleaning my minivan, I was thinking about Jesus because I'm incredibly spiritual and and, um, and 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 I was I was actually thinking about it later, but but you know um, you know what I've realized is that most miracles are hidden in the folds of a normal day. You're just kind of cranking along, just kind of doing your thing, just kind of doing your routine. And then if you're paying attention, if you're aware, if you're attentive, you will discover that there is an opportunity for a miracle. So for the next five or seven minutes, I want to encourage you to be ready. Turn to somebody and tell them, be ready. Come on, tell them, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Turn to somebody else. Tell them, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. See, my experience with Anna would have never happened if we were not ready. We were not ready. We would have walked right past that miracle. And so I want to read a passage of scripture that is probably incredibly familiar to you. And then we're going to get things moving here. It says this in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, speaking to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I want to live forever. What should I do? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he, this is the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, and he tells a story, and a story that is probably one of the top three most famous stories in the Bible. A man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan had... uh, As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, he bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine. And when he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, that was about two days' wages, and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, whatever more you you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said to him, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I want to give you just a couple of quick thoughts about this well-known passage of Scripture. The first thing I want to emphasize today is, did you realize that you can be incredibly religious, but still not have eternal life? You notice that? These individuals were, they had the priest and the Levite. The priest was the most holy man in the community at the time, and the Levite was the worship leader. He was the most, you know, respected musician and worshiper of God. And so you had these two, you know, important people, and Jesus uses the story to say, hey, listen, this guy passes by, this guy passes by. Remember, the question that's being asked is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you've been around City Church any length of time, you know that eternal life is purchased for us by the cross of Christ through grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. However, when you experience that grace, there is a transformation of the heart. And when the heart is transformed, you find within yourself a divine, compassionate obligation to step forward and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if the tree has no fruit, it's not a true tree. It's, you know what I mean? It needs fruit. 
<laughs> so, oh, that was good. So, Samaritan. Now, if you know, if you know the, uh, yeah, like, we'll make a little mixtape. Crash and burn moments while you're preaching. If the tree has no fruit, it's, it's, a, it's, a, fruit, it's a fruitless tree. It's a, it's a, it's a not, it's, it's bad. It's altogether bad. All right, so, <clears throat> so the Samaritans, um, you know, that if, if you know much about Bible history, you know the Samaritans in that day uh, were hated by the Jews, okay? They were, there was a real racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They were hated. And so Jesus, of course, in this story, uses the guy that they would think would be least likely to stop and show compassion, and he is the one that actually represents the honorable lover of God, right? And so this word compassion, it's an interesting word in the original Greek. It's this word that is literally translated bowels, bowels. It's this, it's this inner thing. So I have compassion. It means I have these, this inner thing happening. Now you picture this, you see the Samaritan going down the road. He sees this guy, he's all beat up. He knows he's a Jew. He's all broken. And, and where was the Samaritan going? Doesn't tell us that. Doesn't tell us if he was going to visit family. Maybe his daughter was about to have a baby. You know, maybe he was on his way to a wedding. Maybe his oldest son was about to get married. Maybe he had tickets to the playoffs. Maybe, whatever it was, he, you know, the, the donkey, you know, uh, racing playoffs or whatever it was in that day. Whatever it was that he was doing, I'm sure he had an agenda. He wasn't just, hey, let me get mosey down to Jericho for fun, right? He was doing something. He was going somewhere doing something. There's a little phrases in here. It says he cleaned the wounds of the man that was hurt. It says he brought him to an inn. And then it says the next day. So he spent an entire day and now a night. The next day, and he says, now I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'll pay the bill. So now I've got to spend my day, and then I've got to spend my night, and then I'm leaving the next day, but now I've got to come back. First thing I want you to realize today is that compassion will usually take more time than you think. Compassion will usually take more time than you think. Today, going to serve at this you know, homeless shelter, going to serve at this neighborhood housing, going to serve at this police substation, it might take more time than you think. It usually does. Compassion usually takes more time than you think, so you've got to be ready. Say, be ready. To resist the temptation to worship your schedule over your God. Because there are times where your schedule will tell you this is what you must do, and your God will tell you this is what you must do. And compassion says, I sacrifice my schedule for my God. I want to encourage you to do that today. You notice uh, after he does all these things for him, in the midst of all these things, excuse me, he's, he's, um, he's using his own supplies. He uses his own oil. He uses his own wine. He gives the guy two days wages, which is probably a couple hundred bucks in that day. And then he says, I'm going to repay even beyond anything else to spend. The second thing I want to emphasize today is that compassion will cost you more money than you think. Compassion will cost you more money than you think. It's amazing to me how many of us are compassionate until it's going to cost us money. And then we're like, oh, uh, I'll pray. I'll be the prayer. Let me be prayer. I'll do prayer. You do money. There's this interesting verse in Proverbs 19. I'm going to read it to you. It says that whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him his deed. Hold on a second. Whoever is generous to the poor, look at it on the screen, lends to the Lord, lends to the Lord, and he will repay him his deed. 
Whoever is generous to the poor, how can you lend to God? Does this not sound theologically blasphemous to you? You can't lend to God. Everything in the world belongs to God. You belong to God. Air belongs to God. Trees belong to God. Everything in the planet, everything beyond the planet belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. So how can anyone give something or lend something to someone who owns everything already. One of the great preachers of our time, John Piper, he said it like this about this passage. He said, if being kind to the poor is an act, listen, this is important. It will change your life. If being kind to the poor is an act of trusting God to take care of us, there is a sense in which God becomes a debtor. He is a debtor to his own glory. If I trust him and reckon his word and wisdom and love worthy to be counted on, then God is honor bound, glory bound to uphold the worth of his word and wisdom and love. Trust, check this out, is the one thing that can put God in debt. The reason trust can do this is that it is the one human attitude that looks away from our sufficiency to God's sufficiency. When God's sufficiency is at stake, he will prevail. So while we don't really lend God anything in being kind to the poor, we do put ourselves in a situation where God must bless us. That is, if we have done our kindness out of reliance on the mercy of God to take care of us. In other words, what he's trying to say is he's saying, listen, if you give today out of not just your abundance, but even out of your lack, you're putting yourself in a position to say, you know what, God? You know what? Oh, that's for somebody today. You know what, God? I trust you that much. Hear me today. Some of us here are like, Justin, I don't want to go paint somebody's house. My own house is all jacked up. I don't want to go fix somebody's yard. My heart is a mess. I need somebody to pray for me. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody, you know, to think about me. I need those things. Justin, I need myself to be the attention. And what I'm saying to you today is that if you would sacrifice for your neighbor, you're telling God deep in your actions that, God, I trust you with all of my issues to the extent that I will now serve someone else. Compassion will bring greater reward than you think. That's the third thing I want to mention. It'll bring greater reward than you think because God is faithful. And so you could serve today out of obligation because we kind of forced you into it. You could serve today out of self, you know, fulfillment. I want to do it for me. Or you can serve today because you say, you know what, God? I want to show your love to someone else. And so I'm going to do it practically. And I'm going to be ready in the moment of opportunity to love my neighbor as myself. So today you're going to meet some new people, okay? You're going to meet some new people. We're going to get ready to dismiss in just a minute here. Today you're going to meet some new people, all right? I want to encourage you that God might have you minister not just to the people that you're serving, but to the people that you're serving with, all right? There might be somebody in your group that you need to pray for. Hello. There might be somebody in your group that you need to have compassion on and you need to help. There might be someone in your group that doesn't know Jesus that you lead to Christ as you guys are working on a project together planting a bush, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I want to encourage you to be ready that today you're going to build some new relationships and that's going to be fun. Today it might take longer than you think it will. Today it might cost more than you planned on spending. Today you might be missing some supplies, though we've done everything in our power to try to make sure all the supplies are available for everyone. But you might get there and it might be like, crud, we don't have that, we don't have that, we don't have that, and we have to go and get it, and da 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 and it might not run perfectly smoothly. And you have a choice today to decide, is the project running perfectly smooth the goal, or is loving my neighbor as myself the goal? 
And so if you find yourself standing around, say, okay, who can we go love on? Where can we pray? Who can we go pray for? Maybe we'll just go prayer walk around this little house we're building that we're fixing up. Or maybe we'll go find the people that live there and say, hey, is there anything we can pray for you about? I want to encourage you to be... Boy, you totally missed that. Ready. 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 I want to encourage you to be ready. Why? Why? Because like my gorgeous minivan, most of the treasures are found in between the folds. Right? Most of the treasures are found in between the folds of a normal day. I'm hanging out. I'm planting a bush. I'm cleaning a, you know, a garage out. And all of a sudden, there's a moment. And if you say, oh, no, I don't, I don't see the moment. I don't feel the moment. I got my own thing going on. You'll miss it. But if you become attentive, if you become aware, I can make you a promise. God's going to do miracles today. He's going to do miracles today. He may heal the sick. He may save the lost. He is certainly going to love some people today. And so I want to encourage you, whatever group you're in, love bountifully. Love extravagantly. In Jesus' name. If God is using this ministry in your life, we would love to hear from you. Email us at mystory@ourcitychurch.org. For more information about the church, visit www.ourcitychurch.org.